wanted to tell you guys about a little product that we have. This is called a Life on the Edge DVD set. I was on an airplane trip from Washington State all the way down, let's see, it'd be Washington State over here from your uh, viewpoint to Florida, and there was a young man next to me that was killing everything he could see on his little um, portable video machine. He was just playing these kill em up, shoot em up games. He finished that, so he gets out another portable device and blows up a few more things on his portable device, and then all of his portable devices lost their battery. And so I looked at him, he had his headphones on, it wasn't, his headphones were unplugged from his devices because they, obviously the battery was dead. And so I'd man, I said, man, would you like to watch a video? He's like, sure, what kind of video do you have? And so I pulled out The Great Controversy, part one. I actually had this on my MP3 player, or my iPod, and uh, I had the, all of this imported to my iPod. And so I handed him my iPod, he plugs in, and he watches the first half of the Great Controversy Bible study. And then when he's finished, he said, man, that was good, but it's not finished. Do you have part two? And so then he watched part two. I don't know who this young man was. I don't have contact information for him. I gave him our website, so maybe at some point he did purchase this from us. It's a DVD set that has 34 hours worth of presentations, and it also teaches you how to give the Bible studies. Uh, it, the price of this has been discounted. You can imagine it's quite expensive to create something like this in a professionally recorded situation. So the price tag for a set of these 34 hours of DVD presentations, all of the handouts are on the 20th DVD, all of the PowerPoints and keynotes are on the 20th DVD, and so the price for that is $150. Once you purchase it, you can duplicate it all you want. We just ask that you don't duplicate it to sell it, you duplicate it to share it. And so um, that's called a Life on the Edge set. I have three sets with me. What we are going to do this afternoon is we are going to help overcome excuses with Scripture. We are going to teach you how to overcome excuses with Scripture. When I'm doing Bible studies, I will ask people, as we're going through the Bible study, is this clear? And they will either say yes or no. If they look at when I say if this is clear and they do this, what are they probably thinking? It's not clear. And so even if they say yes with that expression on their face, what am I going to do? I'm going to explain it again. Well, eventually it comes to the point where you are calling for a decision from those individuals. You are asking them, based on the information that you have given them, all that information built up to a climax point, and they either decide to go with the truth or they decide to slide back this direction. The incredible thing about truth is that once you know it, you can't get away from it. And so because you and I have a burden for the people that we are studying the Bible with, then we are going to encourage them to make that decision to follow what God is asking them to do. So our goal this afternoon, how many of you have a Bible with you? Everybody have a Bible with you? So I've got one, I've got two, I've got three. Somebody can use my Bible as soon as we start the exercise. If you like, does somebody have a Bible on the phone? Maybe you could use that Bible. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend that we have just 
had a Bible study, and our Bible study has been on the topic of the Sabbath. And so I'm calling for a decision on keeping the Sabbath. And so I don't know who'd like to be my guinea pig. Who'd like to be the one that, that gets to... Uh, well, look at there. That just went plumb off, didn't it? So who'd like to be my guinea pig? No takers on that? All right, so would you join me up here, Ms. Voorhees? Now, Ms. Voorhees uh, confessed earlier to the class that she was at my eighth grade graduation. And, uh, and she even signed. Were you the educational lady at that time? All right, well, praise the Lord. And so I'm studying the Bible with Miss Alice. Can I call you that? Is that all right, Miss Alice? Now, I typically, typically call her Miss Voorhees, or Mrs. Voorhees, but, but I've been down in Florida so long, I just call everybody Miss, and the fellows I just call by their first name. And so, uh, we have just finished a Bible study on keeping the Sabbath. So what I'm going to do at this point is I'm going to use the key question when it comes to calling for a decision. This key question is what would keep you? What would keep you? Everybody say that. What would keep you? So, Miss Alice, it has just been a privilege to study with you and uh, to study the, the awesome topic of the Sabbath. Amen. And uh, so you enjoyed the study as well. Absolutely. Tell me about what was your favorite part of the study? Well, praise the Lord. Miss Voorhees, is there anything that you can think of that would keep you from honoring God in this way? No, ma'am, I want you to play along with the situation. I want you to play along. So your, your greatest fear then is that your family... Now, how about your own family? Okay, they're sensible. Would, would that then mean that your in-laws are not? Oh, I see. Miss Alice, if God could take care of your greatest concern, which I understand to be your in-laws and them feeling like you would be pulling your, their son away from them, if God could take care of that, is there anything else that would keep you? Okay, so we're just going to pause here in what we are doing. I have just isolated what the biggest roadblock is for her keeping and honoring the Sabbath. Now, for those of you who have given me your email address, this is a document that I compiled. I compiled this document out of Louis Torres' book titled Gaining Decisions for Christ. That book goes after illustration after illustration of how he used Scripture to help individuals overcome their fear or their excuse or their reasons for not following what God has asked them to do. And so I've blown this up. I've made it a little bigger here. Let me move this mouse so it doesn't turn off on us. Uh, I have uh, typed all of this out for us with the Bible verses. When I began my ministry of giving Bible studies, remember, I went to Mission College of Evangelism in the fall of 2002. Spring of 2003, I was working for them, and Elder Torres says, I've got to go out of town. You're going to do the evangelistic meeting. Here's all my material. Go do it. And so then it was all of a sudden up to me as this rookie evangelist to help people overcome their, uh, the reasons they feel they can't follow God's leading. And so what I did was I took this piece of paper, 
And if I had my, my conversion Bible, the Bible that I had when I was first really involved in a relationship with Jesus, you would see an outline of scotch tape. Because I took this and I shrunk it down on a copy machine as small as I could get it and still be able to see it. You know, still being able to see it is very important. And if you can't see it, it won't help you. And so what I would do is when I was in a Bible study, like with Miss, Miss Alice right here, I would say after she has said to me that the biggest roadblock for keeping the Sabbath would be her in-laws, I would move to a position that is closer to her and I would say, Miss Alice, I went to a school about soul winning and they gave me this sheet of paper that has the most common reasons that people feel they can't follow what God is asking them to do. And so I've got this sheet right here in my Bible. And so you said basically my family members is what would be keeping me away from it, right? And so let's just look on this sheet of the most common reasons individuals feel they can't follow God's leading. And let's see if we can find the way that you feel. And so do you see anything up here that would apply to her reason of my family is not going to appreciate this? Do you see anything up there that would go with that? All right, so right here. My husband, wife, father, mother, brother, sister will oppose me. Beside that, you see Bible references. Now, what I'm going to do, because I want to maintain my friendship with Miss Alice, I don't want Miss Alice to take her upsetness if she does get upset on me. I'm going to say something like this. Now, Miss Alice, right here, and it, because this is going to be printed and you're going to tape it in your Bible, you would say, right here, one of the reasons that people feel they can't follow what God is asking them to do, notice, who am I always saying is asking them to do it? God. That's very important. Don't say one of the reasons people aren't following what I'm asking them to do. You always put that heavy on God. Because if it weren't for God, you and I wouldn't be doing it either. So it says here on this sheet that we should look at Matthew 10, 36 and 37. So why don't we go there? So let's, let's open our Bibles to Matthew 10, 36 and 37. Matthew chapter 10, of course, that's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 10, 36 and 37. And when I'm calling for a decision, I never read the verse myself. I will ask Miss Alice to read this verse. So Miss Alice, can you read for us the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, 36 and 37? So Miss Alice, do you feel that this applies to your situation at all? What does it say? Okay, so how do we apply this to, to the way that you are feeling? And so then who is most important to Miss Alice? It has to be God. So Miss Alice, is there anything else that would keep you? Okay, so, so then another concern, lesser than, than what we were discussing before, a secondary concern would be that the grandmother of your children would think that she would have more authority in raising them than you. How about in your culture? 
Well, totally different countries, almost, weren't they? Almost <laughs> well, shall we look at our sheet again and see if there's anything that would apply to that? So again, I'm blaming it on the sheet. I'm blaming it on God because this is God's responsibility. All I am doing at this point is using the principle in Isaiah 118 where God says, come now, let us reason together. And so what are we doing with this sheet? We are listening to God speak and we are letting God reason with each one of us. So let's look and do we see anything that, will, that um, would talk about causing division in the home or anything like that? So the Luke 12, 49 right here. All right, it says it will cause trouble and division in the home if I take my stand for this teaching. So let's look at Luke 12. Let's see what God has to say in Luke 12, verse 49. Matthew, Mark, Luke 12, 49. You know, I wonder if we may start in verse 47. Are you comfortable with that? Let's start in verse 47 and then work our way to verse 49. So before we go to verse 48... What is verse 47 communicating to us? All right. What about 48? So do you see that this would apply in any way to the situation we're talking about here? Miss Alice, if the answer is no, I don't see an application. We can go with a no. So in this situation, how would that apply? So you just pause right there while you're thinking. I want you to notice that I'm sure that piece of paper pointed out a verse. I really don't see much of an application. But for her, there may be an application. So I will just simply go to the next verse if she doesn't pull any principles out of this that would apply to her situation. What I'm doing is allowing time for God to take these verses and speak directly to Miss Alice and her current situation. When she makes a decision to follow Christ, based on what Christ has said to her, then when there's trouble in the home, she will always stay faithful to God because God is the one that spoke that to her. Does that make sense? All I am is a fella with a piece of paper taped in my Bible showing this piece of paper to Miss Alice and Miss Alice and I running over these excuses or these reasons that we feel we cannot honor God in following what He is asking. Does this make sense? I'm going I'm to let you give me your email address. You already gave it to me once, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Your email address is William... This is for me? Okay. William, W-I-E-R-S-E-147. W-I-E-S-E. Got it. That's exactly what it says. And um, so I'll be, I'll be emailing that to you. Uh, if you'd like it, yeah, you can get it. You can get it all. The Lord gave it to me, so I can give it to you. Yeah, um, and you won't have to do all the research I did on it to get the information. That's a good point. You know, I think I think it's a great idea when anybody gets married to move away from parents for a little while. <laughs> Although the Bible never tells a woman to leave her father and mother, it does tell a man to leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. But it never says it the other way around. Go ahead. You know, for me, as a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, 
It, and you may think I'm a, a heretic for this, but it really doesn't matter to me if people come to my church on the Sabbath. What does matter to me as somebody who is sharing the truth is whether or not that individual is going to honor the Sabbath. Not whether they come to my church or not, but what are, how are you going to treat that sacred time? You may want to go to church on the first day of the week, and if that's what you want to do, go for it. And what are you going to do with the truth that you've just learned about the seventh day and its holiness? Does that make sense? I want, I want somebody to, to take the Sabbath and to experience a greater and deeper relationship with God on the Sabbath. For you and I as Seventh-day Adventists, that means that we go to church on that day. For somebody that is not a Seventh-day Adventist, yet is a Christian, they may say, well, it makes sense for me to go to church on the Sabbath because that is the seventh day in the commandment. And if I'm going to go worship God, then I should do that on that day. When I present the Sabbath, for me the Sabbath is presented as a relational concept. Uh, you weren't here this morning, but we went over... Um, the first reason that we give a Bible study is to present Christ as the blessed hope. That's the first reason. And so when I'm giving a Bible study on the topic of the Sabbath, then I make sure they understand that the Sabbath contains the presence of God. It's very clear. God sanctified it. He set it apart for a holy purpose. He blessed it and He rested on it. Therefore, that means that since God blessed, sanctified, and rested on that seventh day, since He made it holy, let me just get this back to the size that we need. Since God made it holy, can I change what God has made holy? I can't change that. So no matter what day of the week I go to church on, I may choose Wednesday as my day to go to church. But Wednesday... When it comes to Saturday, how am I going to treat that holy space of time? Somebody's going to go for a hike. Somebody's going to go for a boat ride. Not, not a, you understand, a boat ride that would encourage your walk with God. Somebody's going to go for a, a walk in nature. Uh, somebody's going to go backpacking for the weekend. My concern is what are we doing with that sacred space of time? Now, the inevitable conclusion that someone is going to come to is I should be going to church in that holy space of time. When I'm doing an evangelistic meeting and we come to the topic of the Sabbath, and I'll, I'll just really recap what we went over this morning. When God created, or what did God create? What is your first name? Pam. Pam. So, Miss Pam, what did God create on the first day of the week? What did He create on the fourth day of the week? I think you're absolutely correct. So God created an empty space of time, and He takes day four, and He fills up day four or he, an empty space of light and dark, and he fills up that empty space with the sun, the moon, and the stars. So God created an empty space, and he filled it up on day four. What did God create day two? The firmament, air, and he separated the air from the what? From the water. 
That's right. So on day five, what did God create? By the way, it goes with water and air. The fish and the birds. So he takes day five and he fills up day two. Does that make sense? Empty space fills it up. Empty space fills it up. What does he create on day three? The earth. What does he create on day six? Land, animals, and humans. So God takes day six and he fills up day three. So our God is a God of consistency. Empty space, empty space, empty space. Day one, two, three. Then he takes day four, fills up day one. Takes day five, fills up day two. Takes day six, fills up day seven. What empty... Three, thank you. What empty space did God create on day seven? He created an empty space of time. And what did God fill that empty space of time with? Himself. So then, God being there makes that time holy. Did God put His presence into day one? Did He put His presence into day four? What about day six? Did He put His presence into day seven? So can we legitimately uh, substitute another day of the week for the empty space of time that God filled up with His presence? We cannot. Can you and I get a blessing on day one? Can we worship God on day one and get a blessing? If we worship God on day three, are we going to get a blessing? How many days of the week should we worship God? Every day. How many days of the week contain the special presence of God? And the Bible tells us what day of the week is that. That's the seventh day of the week. So because you and I want a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, the Creator, we are going to come apart and rest a while with Him. I have only met one family in my entire ministry. Let's see, you were, my ministry began in 2003 or 2002. Um, I've only met one family that was a first-day-keeping family that kept the first day as you and I would keep the Sabbath. It was amazing. I said, hey, how do you guys keep the Sabbath? This was a pastor of a Pentecostal congregation. And she said, well, you know, on the first day of the week, of course, she felt the Sabbath could be whatever day you wanted to choose, and they had chosen the first day of the week. She said, we, um, we usually don't, well, she didn't say usually, she said we never cook. We don't even heat things up in the oven. That's the day that before the sun goes down on Saturday, we make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So what do we eat? Cold cereal in the morning, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the afternoon. When the sun goes down on Sunday evening, we make a big meal. We spend time in nature. I was absolutely amazed. For that family to make a switch to Saturday would have been no big deal because there would have been no lifestyle change in their habits, there would have just been the change of a time. 
Well, she was a pastor of a Pentecostal congregation and did not make that decision. But it was very clear to her that the Sabbath, she said, all I'm going to do is I'm going to start keeping Saturday as that and not cook, not clean, not work on Saturday. And then I'll, I'll go to work on Sunday as I normally do, which is preaching at church. Well, I wonder what God's going to do with all of those people that keep the Sabbath honestly and still worship on the first day of the week. Hey, you and I open our Bibles every first day of the week, don't we? You know, I, I visit churches on the first day of the week. They want to know who I am. I'm the pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm just worshiping with you today. Oh, wow. So then when my flyer, when my face goes out on all those flyers for an evangelistic meeting, those people are going to be like, I know that guy. We had a... Um, a lady, Jacqueline Hughes, which is the, uh, one of the instructors at Southern Adventist University in the nursing department. She came and did a concert at our church. Well, our members are very good at inviting their friends to come to things that happen at church. Well, this lady shows up at church and she said, I know you. You come to my church on sometimes on Sunday morning and worship with us. I said, you're absolutely right. This lady went to the Countryside Baptist Church, which is about four miles down the road from us. I'm making a habit of visiting Sunday churches. Those people love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they're there. They just don't know. So um, my, my ministry is based on simply sharing the gospel truth in the 28 fundamentals with the people that I study with. Very rarely do the people that you study the Bible with not make a decision to change their lifestyle, to follow Jesus Christ with all of their heart. All you have to do is present a very clear, concise Bible study. And, and, it, and you'd be amazed. I don't ask people to become members of my church. People ask me, how do I become a member of your church? Why? Because they want to continue experiencing truth. When we do an evangelistic meeting, I'll take Mr. Ron and Miss Carol, for instance. Miss Carol, after the evangelistic meeting in 2010, said, Scott, I just, I, I'm at a loss of what to do. She said, I have all of my friends at the Sunday church. And now I find out that God wants me to honor Him by honoring the Sabbath. So what am I going to do? I said, tell me, Miss Carol, what are you going to do? I can't tell her what she's going to do. What are you going to do based on what God has shown us? She said, well, all I can think of is that I'm going to go to church on the seventh day of the week and on the first day of the week. I said, well, praise the Lord. She said, is that okay? And I'm going to tell you, lots of people make a mistake right here and they say that it's not okay. In the Old Testament, do you remember the story of Naaman? The, uh, was it the Assyrian or the Syrian king? Anyway, there was an Old Testament king that had it hit. The captain of his guard was Naaman. Naaman was, uh, he was the chief executioner of the king. That's what the captain of the guard means in the Old Testament. They're the chief executioner. Well, Naaman goes over to Israel to get, to get healed of leprosy. 
Once he is healed of leprosy, he goes back to the prophet that gave him the instructions on what to do. And he says, what am I going to do when I get back home and my, my king wants to lean on me when he goes into his temple to worship his God? The prophet gives him his blessing. He says, go. Go with the king. So when Miss Carol was saying to me, what am I going to do? I'm thinking, hey, you're going to do what God leads you to do. And so she went to church on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, probably for another six or seven months. And finally, one Sabbath, she came to me after service. She said, Pastor Scott, I just can't do that anymore. I said, you can't do what, Miss Carol? I knew exactly what she was talking about. But I wanted her to open up that can of worms, not me. And she said, I just can't go to two services anymore. I said, well, what has God led you to do? Again, this is between her and God. It has little to do with me. All I was was the one that shared the truth. She says, well, I've decided that since the pastor at the first day church continues to teach error, that I just can't continue to go there, so I'm going to come here permanently. Her and Mr. Ron, 2010 is when we held the evangelistic meeting. 2013 is when they joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I mean, it's, if we let God do the convicting, let God do the convincing, all you and I are are persuaders. I am here on behalf of God with Miss Alice to gain the decision for Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, any questions? What we're going to do right now is we're going to separate into groups of two. Two, four, six, eight. Are you out of here or are you still in? Okay, two, four, six, eight. So there are four groups of four. I want you to turn your chairs, find yourself a partner, turn your chairs to face each other. Yes, sir? How do I start a Bible study with a Jehovah's Witness? I'll tell you, I haven't had much success with Jehovah's Witnesses, and I'll tell you why. When a Jehovah's Witness comes to my house, I invite them in. And I say, can you just wait one moment? I'll be right back. I go to my bookshelf, and I get the New World Translation off of the, off of the bookshelf. I get the Kingdom Interlinear Translation off of the bookshelf. And I come back into the living room, and I say, okay, let's study. You're in charge. Study with me. And it's inevitable they will eventually get to the, that Jesus was simply a God and not the God. And so what I do, they're very difficult to find. I mean, you may be able to find one online. It's called the Kingdom Interlinear Translation. I'll open the Kingdom Interlinear Translation, which is a translation from the original Greek into English. So you have the Greek running on the page and you have the English running on the page. And then in the outside column, you have how it is translated in the New World Translation, which is the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible. Well, in the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. That's what it says in the New World Translation. In the Kingdom Interlinear Translation, it says, In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There is no a God in there. It just simply says God. And so when we get to that point, and I show them in their own publications that they're not teaching what their own publications say, they just they don't ever come back. Yeah, you know, one thing you need to keep in mind when you are studying with a Jehovah's Witness is that they will not make decisions like you want them to make decisions. Typically, when you study with a Jehovah's Witness and you study about the validity of the Bible, they'll be like, yeah, I see that. The, the Bible's valid. I believe the Bible myself. Then when you get to the Sabbath, they'll, they'll listen to you. They'll be happy to listen to you, but they're not going to commit to keeping the Sabbath. When you go over state of the dead, they believe the same thing we believe, so that's common ground. Uh, when you go over diet, I don't know if they believe the same thing we believe, but they don't. So um, you're never going to see them make a decision until you go over, you go over the Sabbath, they, they listen to you, you come back, you go over a different topic, they listen to you. You come back, you go over a different topic, they listen to you. Not until they are absolutely ready to leave their friends, their family, their loved ones, their community, will they show you that they are making a decision. You will go through lots of Bible studies with a Jehovah's Witness, and one day they will say to you, I know what you are teaching me is true. And I want you to understand that if I follow what the Bible has taught, I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose probably my job. I'm going to lose my whole network of friends. And what I want to know is if I make this leap, are you really going to be there for me? That's what they're concerned about. Because they will be rejected by their own society. Does that make sense? So you won't make... You won't see them make decisions along the way. There's a book by E.B. Price called The Watchtower, our, called Our Friends, the Jehovah's Witnesses. E.B. Price. You can download that book from the internet for free. A PDF. Our Friends, the Jehovah's Witnesses by E.B. Price. And um, that is an incredible resource for learning how to effectively work with a Jehovah's Witness. I haven't ever gotten very far with a Jehovah's Witness because I pull out their own publications. I show them two Jehovah's in Genesis 19 in the New World Translation, and they don't know what to do with two Jehovah's because there's two of them in Genesis 19. There's not just one Jehovah. And so that's interesting. Our Friends, the Jehovah's Witnesses by E.B. Price. I'll find it and put the link in the email that I send to you. How about that? I'll find it. So let's go ahead and get into groups of two. Groups of two, I'll let somebody use my Bible. Um, who does not have a Bible that needs one? That needs to use one? All right, back here. So let's go ahead and find yourself a group of two. Gender doesn't matter at this point. Find yourself a group of two. We're all here together. And um, choose, choose the excuse. 
It could be my family's the reason. It could be I smoke. It could be uh, I've cheated on my wife and God doesn't even care about me anymore. It could be just whatever litany of reasons that you have ever heard. That's what you as the person uh, is going to give for the excuse. So I want, uh, first of all, you'll be the one to overcome excuses. And then uh, you, Craig, will be the first one to overcome his excuse. So be thinking of an excuse, Miss Alice. Mr. Burden, you be thinking of an excuse. Uh, you will be the one, Miss Pam, to overcome, is it Danny? To overcome Danny's excuse. So be thinking of an excuse. And Mr. Weiss, is that right? Or Weiss? Mr. Weiss? Say again. But he is pretty smart, right? Is that what you said? Okay, so Mr. Mr. Weiss, if you would be the one to overcome your wife's excuse. Is this your wife? Or did I just stick my foot in my mouth? All right. Okay, he's good at overcoming your excuses. So he's had lots of practice. This is going to go very well. So uh, think of your excuse. So you're thinking of an excuse about something. Anywhere you want to pull one out of. Now remember, the language goes like this. I went to a class, and in that class, they gave us this sheet of paper. We're going to look at this sheet of paper together, and we're going to see what God has to say about this. So that's the introduction. When, some, when you know what their excuse is, you say, I went to a class, they gave me this sheet of paper. Let's look at this sheet of paper, and let's overcome it. Let's see what God has to say about this. So let's go now. When did I use this last? Uh, well, I'll tell you, it's been a couple of years since I used this piece of paper because I've done it so often, most of it's right up here. But this is how I started out in ministry, was just like this. And so we're going to take a pause right now. We'll come back in just a little while. I guess that's where you'll want to edit it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk around, and I don't know if you want to follow me, but I may do some talking with the people that we're working with. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.